Hi, I'm Jim. And I'm David. And this is the Practical Guitarist Podcast. The podcast for people who eat, sleep, and breathe guitar. The Practical Guitarist Podcast is brought to you by Great Lakes Guitar Pickups. Great Lakes Guitar Pickups provides fantasy tones at prices a practical guitarist will love. Featuring top-notch construction, attention to detail, and a fully custom product, if you can dream it, Great Lakes Guitar Pickups can probably build it. Follow them on Facebook at facebook.com slash Pickups. Are you a regular listener? Why not? David here reminding you of all the ways you can participate in the Practical Guitarist Podcast. Subscribe using your chosen podcast app. Review us on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or Google Play. Find our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash practical guitarist or on Twitter as at practguitarist. Support the show. Merchandise is available in our Threadless store at practicalguitaristpodcast.threadless.com and donate to us via Patreon available at patreon.com slash practicalguitarist. Reach out to us directly via email at questions at practicalguitarist.com. Good evening, Jim. Hi, David. Uh, this is the Practical Guitarist podcast special report on coronavirus, COVID-19, novel coronavirus, uh, whatever you want to call it. Uh, obviously, we predicted last week that some stuff was going to go down, and a lot of stuff has gone down. And it does. It, you know what? It's pretty much what we said. I think that I think that we should be like the new CNN, or at I least have, the new uh, uh, some, some of it. I have I at least one gig that got canceled. Um all the bars are closed here in Illinois <laughs> as of Monday night. Um, actually, we're recording this on Sunday, so they're not closed yet. But um, So I'm going to talk about it in future tense. But um, by the time our listeners hear this, it will have already have happened. Um, so basically, <coughs> if you don't know, St. Patrick's Day is a huge deal here in Chicago. And everybody wanted to do their St. Patrick's Day celebration. So they went out on Saturday night, and they crammed the bars. And so this morning, uh, Governor Pritzker, Sunday morning, uh, he was he was pissed and basically said that you're not doing what the government is asking you to do. And said we are closing the bar, closing all the bars and all restaurants in the state of Illinois, except for if you're going to be picking up for takeout. There will be no inside eatery, anything like that. Uh, Heard, so, yeah. Um, now, this isn't an unprecedented because i think other countries are doing this right now with um managing their own COVID 19 issues like like italy um and i'm not i'm not going to say that this is a great idea i think it's a good idea personally but i think that there's a huge economic impact that we've been talking about on this show for for quite a while that needs to be balanced and i also feel like um we don't know what how long this is going to last, what the long-term economic impact of this will be, um, how long it's going to take for the social distancing to actually have the impact on uh, lowering the curve, which is another media thing that's been going on as they're talking about the fact that we're really not social distancing to stop the flow of the virus. We're social distancing to slow it down so that we can actually treat the people who do get severely ill. Right. Um, it's just a, this but, is like <clears throat> craziness. So, I get the text this morning saying gigs are canceled. 
um, and all this kind of nonsense is going on. And I'm like, I'm not upset about it. Like I honestly, you know what, I, you know what I'm happy about? I don't have to go to open mic or any of that stuff for like a month, which means that I can actually work on new music. But um, to put it, to put the additional things in perspective, my daughter's uh, uh, doing school from home. She's got, they sent her home with a laptop. Now my daughter's nine, right? So imagine that your nine year old comes home with a laptop and a packet of information about what she's supposed to do on her break, which is not really a break. It's going to be a three week, you know, work, right? I called it work from home. Um, work release program. Well, I'm on, <laughs> I'm on work release. I mean, yeah, same we're, uh, we, we've been told not to come into the office um, as much as possible next week. And yep. um, that the following week, it will be a, basically a dead zone. Um, and they're shutting down the office completely. There only certain people will be authorized to be in there. Uh, I actually am one of them because we have backups that we have to do. But um, yeah, it's mostly going to be a tomb um, when I do go in. If I do go in, because uh, so, we're talking about making arrangements for that too. I mean, I have when to you go in, will you be, be a tomb, tomb raider? Huh? When you go in, will you be a tomb raider? No, because oh, okay. I'm not going to be stealing anything. <laughs> um. <laughs> Which that's a whole other thing because I'm like, well, we, we got to talk about that in. in a second. We need to have somebody go in occasionally to make sure that things aren't ripped off because if somebody was able to get into our suite for whatever reason, you could have stuff missing off people's desks. I mean, that's the So let's talk about some of the things. My, um, uh, I don't live in New York. I live in Virginia, but my, my wife and family live in New York. Um, so uh, my wife sent me a picture from Walmart. Oh, the aisles, I, was in Target, I was in Target on Friday. The aisles were empty. Not just the people. Stuff. And and this is the thing that I'm not understanding. Okay, I didn't, And I don't get it. I don't care if it's if it's because of this, because of an incoming hurricane. Let me, let me just say something. Are you not wiping your rear end, washing your home, washing your hands, brushing your teeth, eating, uh, you know, things that people do? Is there a reason that you don't have stuff? In your house, are you literally now? I'm not now. Now listen, I, I come from a different. I, I don't live in an apartment. I haven't lived in an apartment, and I don't. Well, I live in. I lived in an apartment, but believe me, it was not like what you'd think of an apartment. Um, but I haven't lived in a in an apartment, um, living in a long time. Okay, I have 210 rolls of toilet paper. I don't. I didn't go shopping during this madness. I put a picture of the. You have 210 rolls of toilet 210 paper. 210 rolls of toilet paper. They're in my garage. I have how much I are have, you buying when you go to the store regularly, man? I well, they're the the equivalent rolls. There's not actually. Yeah, because I have I mean I have I bought what is a 96 it? mega roll thing. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. I have a 96 and a two uh, uh, and a I have a 48. So yeah, no, oh, I'm sorry. Have, no, I have a yeah, a 96 and a 100 and something. Yeah, for a total one hundred twenty, for a total two hundred ten, and then I've got I've got the equivalent. Okay, I know it's not actual rolls; it's eight actual rolls of bounty, but it's the equivalent of like forty rolls of bounty, some ridiculous thing like that. So it's so big I can't put it in the cupboard. It's I got to sit in the garage. I have um, uh, hold on, hold on, I'm not done. I'm not done. I have like eight um things of uh of uh, what's that stuff that does um hand sanitizer, but that's because I work. In an environment, I go to I go to the government stuff. People travel; they travel literally around the planet. We pick up we pick up drug 
dealers. They're not known for all of them being the cleanest people in the world. I kind of live in an environment where I stay clean. I, I wash my hands. I, I take showers. I shave. I brush my teeth. Before right. we did this podcast, I brushed and flossed. And it's only because I just can't stand the, the, the feeling of that. So I'm, I'm wondering why all of a sudden do, do the grocery stores, and I can understand now it's countrywide, which is, which is scarier. This is, what the, this is what people don't get. It's not like the, the, your local Walmart is just waiting for a shipment from um, their, their center. This is, this is countrywide, nationwide, and that, well, that's what makes it scary. Well, so as much as you are a quartermaster, I think, um, I think I'm probably closer to what like the average Americans like now with, you know, we got a, we got, we buy one of the midsize things, of toilet paper, and we yeah. have one on hand and we'll be run out. We buy another one. We don't try to have like two, you know, so we can swap back and forth or anything like that. Um, but that being said, this is, I mean, guitar impact aside, because obviously we haven't gotten there yet. And we have to, yeah. Um, yeah, we're we're headed in that direction. You and um, I use the same. I promise. Paper I promise. We're we're seven minutes in, but we're gonna get there. Um, yeah. So, um, I'm trying to find like the right words to describe this. This is panic buying, okay? And I want to say this. Yes. I want to say this in the truest sense of the word. This isn't panic buying. Oh my gosh, I'm. I think I'm gonna get stuck in my house. It's oh my gosh, it's not gonna be available. And the reason I say that is because if you're looking and paying attention, you will see people doing dumb things like relisting this stuff on eBay yeah. for outrageous amounts of money. And that's what's going on here. The people yeah. that are the people that are always doing this kind of crap, whenever a new console rolls out and they go out and they buy 10 of them so they can list them on eBay for a hundred bucks more than they, they go for because they know they're going to sell out. That that is exactly the same thing that's going on right now. Now, I'm not saying that those people are driving this whole market, but what's happening is these people are coming in, they're spending all this money to buy all this stuff, right? And then uh, maybe maybe that makes up 10% of the sales, and then somebody says, oh my gosh, that guy just bought four rows of toilet paper, I'm going to buy two. And then all of a sudden, the store's bare, so now everybody's talking about it on social media, and before long, everybody's going in to rate it. And I'm going to use toilet paper as an example because it is the classic example at this point. It so, surely is. So the one guy that was like, hey, I bet there'll be a run on toilet paper and gambled caused everybody else to go nuts. And so now, guess what? The toilet paper is being bought up in droves every morning when the shipments come in to these stores. Most stores get their shipments in the morning now. I don't know if that's necessarily true, but but that's what that's what's being said by the media. So if you need things, you go in the morning. Um, but the dumb part about it is the every one of these chains retailers like Target, Meyer, Walmart, all of the ones that sell the necessities that you're probably buying your necessities from are all saying there is not a run on this stuff. We have plenty of it in stock. We just don't have it in the stores because we don't have the shelf space or the warehouse space for it. Right. So it's just this is absolutely ludicrous. And then, and then on, to top it off, anybody who couldn't find it in the stores, you know what they did? They hopped online and they bought it from Amazon. So now Amazon sold out until the end of the month because Amazon, <laughs> because Amazon's inventory is immediately available, which means that they can ration it out at Walmart and Target, but they can't ration it out on Amazon. 
So some idiot went on there and bought 170,000 uh, bottles of hand sanitizer. Legit happened. Uh, there's a guy sitting in Tennessee somewhere uh, who did an interview with the news news outlet who has a hundred and seventy thousand bottles of hand sanitizer. And it, that's that's his investment. Yes. Now, when you see this, my wife and I laughed because we said if if, you know, pardon the uh, parlance, but the shit hits the fan. That's the first place everywhere's going. Because you're, you're an idiot. You went in the news, and somebody's going to know who you are. And it ain't going to be hard to look you up in a phone book. There's, uh, a, there's a true story. Can I tell this really quick true story? There was a guy who did that. He he beat um, CBS at their game, that one where you go, big money, big mammy, money, no whammies. And anyway, he, bought, he won $65,000. Told everybody right on the news he doesn't trust banks. So he put all his money in his home in cash. Oh, yeah. And then he got robbed. And then he got robbed. And he was penniless. <laughs> of course. So it's I, true story. Uh, all right. So here's here's the reality of this. In terms of guitars, like, and and what's going on in, in the guitar side of the, the world right now. Jim, you had a you had a banner day at Guitar Center today. I had a – well, actually, yesterday and Friday. I didn't work today. But, oh, yeah, okay. I had a um, – I had uh, I don't want to put out numbers, um, but yeah, I had, but you had a good day. Like you sold. Let's a lot just of say stuff. almost triple my expectations of a shift. That's how much money I made in one of them, and almost double on another shift. You know, so the the, the and numbers I'm speculating are, why, but it's because people who fear that guitar center is not going to be open in a couple weeks. We actually I had a customer call. I fielded a call where someone said, "Are you guys going to be open Monday?" I said. Yeah. And he goes, oh, well, I, I heard you guys weren't going to be open. I heard nobody's going to be open. Monday. So that's it. Right now, what's happening is there's a news media fear. I want to I want to take the dumbest of the dumbest of headlines. And I want to explain why this is stupid, why it's why it the why you should not listen to just one news source. So CNN literally said that the, that the sales of Corona were down. Yes. Based on a poll that they did. Now, the real the real story behind it is they did take a poll of 737 people. I'm pretty sure more that's than 700. That's significant. Exactly. <laughs> that's what I was about to say. I'm, I'm pretty sure that that number could be multiplied by, um, you know, 100,000 people and still not. And then it would be a significant poll. Anyway. Um, they took a poll of 737 people. Of those people, they asked, would you buy Corona beer? The, res the, the large number of respondents said no because they don't like the taste of Corona beer. Yeah. So nobody likes Corona. That's like that's like a known thing at this point. I mean, yeah, it, it's like I, I yeah, even I who like Corona, I need I, I won't drink it if it doesn't have a um, what do you call it? Lyman. Yeah. And, it, and it's just kind of silly, truthfully, that that people – now, that's a silly headline. It is a silly headline. But if someone was to make the headline and say, um, hey, we've got – I've got um, – uh, or, or we have reports that toilet paper, places are running out of toilet paper. I went to the store after those headlines, and there was plenty of toilet paper. Two days later, there's none. Yeah, yeah. The the headline is creating 
the false narrative that you need to run to the store and buy all this stuff. Now, I'm sure Walmart, Target, and everybody else doesn't care. They'll sell you whatever you want to buy. I'm playing right? the false narrative. And actually, my local stores, they're putting up limits. Yeah, and they although, should be. Although I saw a woman uh, – so I went Friday. I bought one one pack of toilet paper. I, 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 I had bottled water. It's actually still sitting in my car. Um, and really, I didn't need the toilet paper. I was just kind of like, well – I want to make sure I have enough if I have a three week off and reality is I'll use it up regardless. I don't plan on buying toilet paper until sometime in late April. Right. Um, right. So I walk in and the shelves are bare, but they do have some of the 48 counts. And I'm like, well, I'm like, if I have to buy that, I have to buy that. So I bought one while well, I put it in my cart and I'm rolling around the store and people are looking at it like, Ooh, I could take that. And I'm looking at them like, if you try to take that from from uh, from me, you're going to have a broken windpipe. <laughs> like this, you don't know who you're messing with. This is not the person you want to try to take that from. Um, exactly. And as I'm walking through the store, uh, I I gather some things. Some things are already missing. Like I couldn't find black olives, canned black olives. Of all things, we're gone. Um, it was like I got like three quarter of the ingredients I needed for the for the food items I was planning to prepare for the next like three weeks. And then uh, I uh, threw everything in my in my uh, trunk and whatnot. And uh, or I, th- I threw everything in my car and like I got home and there was a guy like working on his car and he was like, I what was in my trunk? And I'm thinking yeah. he, he's working on his car. He's one of our neighbors. It's like, you better be smart enough not to try to steal from your neighbor, you idiot. Because I know who you are. Like, um, anyway, I get everything in the house and like, uh, and I'm just sitting there thinking like the whole, the whole time, like, hey, is it really that bad that people are eyeing each other's supply of things already? And I'm kind of wondering, like, it really stressed me out for, for like two days. I was kind of concerned about it. And I know I sound absolutely nuts, but I'm telling you, like, this was a very strange situation. But I also realized that when I went in on Friday, that the, the news reports hadn't happened where it was like, oh, we're all completely out. Social media had happened where people were already starting to talk about it. The news reports happened, and then all of a sudden, it got worse. And I think that's a big part of it. It's like if you see somebody else saying, hey, I can't get this, then everybody goes, there must be a run on it. And then they all run to the store, and if the media, and the news media says it, the, the television – like. That's still probably the predominant form of media for most folks. And so they're going to run out and yeah. go buy this. I guarantee if I drive by Meyer, which is 24 hour, if I drive by Meyer by my house right now, there's probably, there's probably the parking lot's probably completely full. I'm sure. I'm sure. So. Right now, I mean, and, and so let's get, let's, let's talk about that. So here's the thing that's, that's killing me. Typically, you probably already have toilet paper. So I, and you you already have soap. Usually, most people have some soap. They have some toilet. Paper. You don't need to buy a ton of it. You might need to buy it, like you were saying. You didn't have that second thing. How you want to go get a second, right? All right. I um. So I always have the soap I'm using and another bottle. The toothpaste I'm using and another tube i'm I'm just what what i want to point out the ludicrousness of this right this happened we had h1n1 right they didn't do social distancing but when we had h1n1 we had severe infection numbers it went on for a year and because the media wasn't saying hey you need to do this this and this and then be prepared to sit in your house none of this happened 
Right. All of a sudden, we get we get COVID nineteen. They shut the border to China. They start talking about how bad it is, and then they keep <laughs> cycling this news information over and over. And then suddenly, oh my gosh, it's horrendous. Everybody needs to steal from one another. You now need to worry about whether the government's going to allow you to leave your house. And uh, it's just this is just psychotic. None of this stuff is going to come to fruition. The government is not going to tell people you cannot leave your house, not unless you're in one of those areas like the, like New Rochelle, New York. So now what this means to guitar players, and that's why I want to focus the majority of the rest of the show on, is look, nothing really. I mean you, you, your gigs are canceled if you're in you know the unlucky situation that I'm in. You will probably not be able to go to guitar stores for the at some point in the foreseeable future i don't think it's going to be right away um or you're going to have to go in and you'll have to there there'll only be a certain amount of people allowed in the store which i could see them doing that too instead of a, a full band I, I can see us telling people you can't just pull a guitar down and play it yeah no and i think that's that's probably coming sooner rather than later um and i wouldn't be surprised if you don't see start seeing places with like infrared thermometers you know the ones that can they can shoot like a trigger to find out, you know, if you're running fever, yep. um, that's something that's been going on in South Korea since the beginning of this. Um, yep. I, in fact, uh, one of the the male people in our uh, Facebook group, I think somebody somebody was a, a male person. They they sent me a message that said that whenever they go in somewhere, they have to get. There's just one place they go. They shoot them with the infrared thing um, because they won't allow them in if they're they're sick or whatever. And I think that's that's both ludicrous and also a good idea. Okay. Because I think it's kind of an invasion of privacy, but at the same time, it's like you got to do something to protect yourself. Um, I I also feel like um, I, some of my local shops, like Good Time Music, uh, issued a, a email yesterday, basically saying we're a small traffic store. We're going to be doing the best to sanitize our facility, you know, throughout the day. Um, in addition, like if you don't feel comfortable coming into the store, if you feel like you're at risk, you can drop off your equipment that needs work or whatever from your car. Um, you can even, you know, talk to them in person or call them up afterwards. Um, they're going to make special accommodations for you, basically. And I think that's really cool. Um, I, I applaud small businesses being able to take those kind of steps to um, keep things going, you know. Um, but obviously, stores like Guitar Center can't do that. You guys got you're a high volume store. You got a lot of people coming yep. through. Uh, it's going to be a whole different scenario over there. Um Jim, you and I were talking briefly before the show about, you know, why don't you just order everything online? And uh, I think you had some things that you wanted to say about that, and and I wanted to to rebut that. So you can go ahead. Well, no, I agree. You know, the thing that I I agree with, okay, in this environment, what I see, okay, I, I'm a guitar center, right? I'm working. I worked five days last week. Of those five days, every single shift, I saw more than one family with an infant in guitars. Or more yeah. than one infant, or at least toddlers, multiple toddlers in, a, in guitar center. And I'm thinking to myself, there's a lot of reasons that you might take risks with your family. I doubt very much strings, straps, and a guitar for one of them. Yeah. Hey, I'm just saying, all right? Now, what you and I were talking about, and I'm going to stand by what I what I said, because obviously we, we always take um, sides on these things. Um, so I went to GameStop, and I picked up my, my game stuff, right? And you said you could just order it online. And I'm like, 
here's 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 the danger of what could happen if this thing goes on long enough if people go to online only okay this is where i'm going to go with this if i am the company company abc doesn't matter and i see a drop in sales remotely but i don't see a drop in overall sales i might start thinking about closing some stores some doors and this has happened in the past to other companies where they go you know what we can move to online and um what um what sets you can call gamestop and sweetwater two different things for all day long but they're both big big box stores the the difference between the two is one you can go in and try the stuff and the other one you can't all i'm saying is in a, in an overall nutshell, GameStop, um, uh, geez, Walmart, everything. If we go to where all we do is buy our stuff online, and we don't get we we have had a, a, a setback in social since social media. I think social media has been the worst thing to social media in the in, in, since sliced bread. I mean, I just I just don't agree with it. I'm not a big. Pre- um, proponent of it. I get it for, for advertising reasons. I'd love to have it for, you know, free platform to do other certain things, but it does not condone or um, get people together in a human sense in one place. Now, maybe I'm wrong and maybe that's old fashioned. Maybe that's just fine. And and I get it. I really do. I'm not, I'm not the, the tell all for everything, but when we start pulling away, the more we pull away and the more we say, yep, we'll just dine in, we'll dine in under our house. We won't go anywhere. We won't do stuff. I think we're losing, I think we're losing something. And we're going to start losing local stores if people don't buy in local stores. That doesn't mean everything. You know, I try to, I, I go to Walmart, I'm trying to buy a, um, a Oral-B toothbrush. And I cannot get a decent Oral-B toothbrush at Walmart. I have to order it online. That's, it, it's just the nature of beef. But the same. All right. So in terms of going to retail, um, this is why I'm in pretty hefty disagreement with with this this thinking, at least with regards to COVID-19. All right. So companies like I'm going to use I'm going to use GameStop companies like GameStop. First off, they're not. And I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but most people I talk to do not have positive feelings about that store. Mm. They kind of feel like they get ripped off there. Um, and there are times where I've gone in there and the prices have been 20% higher than if I were to either go online or go to another outlet, any other outlet. I mean, um, and so I can kind of, I can kind of um, side with that a little bit. Um, I think stores like GameStop who sell a brick and mortar product that is essentially available as a download in some cases you don't even get a box copy anymore you get a receipt with a code on it um those days are numbered i'm shocked that that store is still open except for the used inventory um now to talk about stores like guitar center versus you know going online and buying from guitar center online look reality is this um the reason why guitar brick and mortar still exists is because people like to put hands on a product before they buy it, especially in a musical instrument. Um, and I think there is definitely something to be said about that. But I think that selection is a big criteria part of this. And I think at least for in terms of COVID-19, like 
if you are if you are in any way at risk for this illness, i.e., you have asthma, you have you know you're one of the at risk groups that's been identified by the CDC, or you have other underlying health issues that maybe haven't been uh, haven't been uh, uh, pushed by the CDC, but could be at risk for this. Uh, I would think you would be absolutely nuts right now to be out and about shopping. You're you're living in a land where you are invulnerable. Uh, and invincible, and it's not worth the risk. We live in a world right now where you could literally do everything without leaving your house. I mean, I, I I'm batting it down the hatches. I haven't gone out this weekend, period, um, and I don't intend to go out uh, for several days at minimum. I, I I'm going to the pharmacy later this week. I got to get my inhaler because I have asthma, um, and so I am in one of these at risk groups. Right? Um, I don't have severe asthma, so nobody has to worry. Chances are I'd be able to fight it off regardless. I'm a tough guy. Um, and and I fought off worse, quite frankly. I had H1N1 uh, and H1N1B like right together. And so uh, was no problem there either. Um, but that's that's basically like this whole situation is if you're at risk, don't put yourself any further at risk. Now, I, I think that there's going to be some very interesting changes as a result of going through these things. But but ultimately – like there's still going to be mom and pop guitar shops. There's still going to be brick and mortar guitar center locations and that kind of thing. Um, but in terms of the other retail stuff, I think I think if you're asking people to still shop at mom and pops during this, you're kind of nuts. Um, I don't expect we're talking about a country where people have literally decimated the store shelves of toilet paper. <laughs> no, right? Of all things. That's what I'm saying. Toilet paper. I told I told coworkers. I said I got a shelf full of books. Like if it comes to that, it comes to that. I will put the stuff in a plastic bag and I will carry it out to my dumpster. Yep. Like what, what is the problem? Um, I, I, I think, I think we live in a country of sissies now. I think, I think the American mentality of the, the pioneer has long since <laughs> passed this whole idea that you could put up with anything and that you could, you could eke out an existence with, you know, a sod house is, is just no longer a thing anymore. And, I think it's starting to show very clearly that we're a bunch of wimps. Um, but at the same time, I think your personal safety is important. And so do what you got to do, but I don't make the, don't make this to be a, out to be an economic decision. The economic fallout of this is going to have massive ramifications and it has nothing to do with whether or not you go to a store or not, because at the end of the day, Jim, they're already talking about $50 billion a day in, in being taken out of the yeah. economy. I know. For the for the shenanigans that are going on, and there's no real stimulus to back this up. I mean, our government's going to be bankrupt by the time this, this is over. Yeah. So I, I that's why I think we get to April. I think they're going to just open the taps and just say, you know what, the hell with it, because there's nothing yeah, else we can it. do. Let's go. We've done what we could. We've done what we could at this point. Yeah, I, I want to go back to your statement that we're in a land full of um, uh, sissies, the insane or sissies. Yeah, I'll I'll. Re- I want to say this as far as that goes, and I and I I want to reword it. Um, <laughs> I don't I I don't know that that word is probably the appropriate word for that. I feel like there's some sort of like connotation to that that I don't know. But basically, I'm just saying we're all a bunch yeah. of wimps. Yeah, and and so I'm going to try to uh, yeah that that's a word I would use. But I'm I'm going to go with this. I'm going to say this. Whenever uh, and I've said this before, whenever the country has, uh, and this is a country full of people, has 
very little to bitch about. They're going to find other things to bitch about. Okay, They're going to find things to complain about. Right. And the things that people complain about right now are menial. I'm not saying that they're not important to the individual in the moment or saying they're menial. No, sure, in the moment. Right. They're absolutely. menial in the overall I'm not going to be able to wipe well, my butt. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going beyond that. I'm going about <laughs> um, beyond that into the things that that have been huge problems, scalarly, scalarly, um, across the country. Right, huge problems um, in scale. You know, and, and I don't want to lock any of them down because I don't take sides. Um, I'm just saying that that. We're worried about a lot of things, whether they're words or they're, you know, uh, gestures or whatever, where what we really should be worried about is fellow man. Right now, people are not worried about their fellow man. Yeah, unified. Oh, goodness. You unified. would think that this would bring people together. This is, this is tearing people apart. This is the second biggest event right now going yeah. on since September 11th. I mean, the first biggest event. This, right. you know, we had September 11th, and now we have this, which means that we had a lot of unification after September 11th. We don't have it right now. I mean, I'm literally watching the news media tear Donald Trump apart, which is fine. Like, I get it. People don't like him, right? But at this point, we all need to be looking at the federal That's government a, for what we should be doing because the state governments don't have yeah, anything I, I don't, for this. And again, I don't want. I don't care if tear government. Trump or whatever it is. I don't I don't care. My thing is yeah, I mean, my thing is right. it's more than it's Donald fine. Trump's fault, people. Get get behind the fact that all the idiots that are saying, Oh, I'm not Donald Trump. Well, you are also in power and you are also not doing anything. So And you didn't exactly. do anything the last time it happened. Joe Biden had more power last time when we had the H1N1 thing sweep through. By the way, if you compare those numbers we're looking yeah. like we're on track and to be so like H1N1 for this. Yeah, don't sit so there and, and try to say um, <laughs> that, that – yeah, go ahead. I'm just – don't make no. it political. I just don't want to make it's it political. Not. Like this is not about politics. This but is that's about just finding it. a resolution we, to a problem. Still, everything has still been set into, all right, I've got this, and it's all political. Do you know why I think that is, Jim? Because I think the, the media realized that when they when they started getting behind um, pictures of of uh, Bush at at you know Ground yep. Zero and stuff after September 11th, they were like, "Oh my right. gosh, we put him back in office," and so they're terrified that they will lose the ability to control who gets elected. Um, and I don't want to get into the conspiracy theory side of this, but but you guys all need to know that you get your news from a source that is biased, and whether it's one way or the other, I'm not going to say. You can make that determination for yourself, but understand that you are being influenced. If you listen to the media, and you should because at some point you have to get national news somewhere, you are getting a biased source. Um, do your research. Find your right. own facts. Make your own decisions. Thank that's you. that's basically what I'm echoing here. Um, and you know, look, at the end of the day, like I said this is a temporary setback. We're not looking at Spanish flu. This is not going to be a 20% mortality rate. We're not going to lose 50 million people, um, which we did with the Spanish flu in 1910, I think it was. Um, but uh, just understand that, you know, 
we we have to take these steps. It sucks. Now, what can you do as a guitar player in this like uh, what I'm going to call the 30 days of yeah. night? Um, I I would say like I've already started. I'm woodshedding. I'm literally sitting around playing the same licks over and over to get them perfect. And I've been doing it for like two days now. Um, getting things dialed in. I'm I'm sitting with my gear and like getting it set up to sound good. Um, making some new patches, that kind of thing. Um, giving myself some new options, exploring some new things, write music, record music. Who would have thought, right? You got 30 days. This is not, so we have a lot of gear listeners, people that are really involved in the gear community. Listen to our show. I don't think the next 30 days is a gear buying day, gear buying days. I think the next, I think the next 30 days are figuring out what to do with what you already got. Um, because at this point you would be, I think you would be in the in the vast minority if you're not concerned about finances right now. Um, if you're not thinking, hey, I got to make sure I got enough money coming in because I think there's still a lot of hourly people in this country. I still think there's a lot of people that might get furloughed. Um, that kind of thing. Uh, just, you know, use your use your best judgment. Don't go out and buy gear during this period if you can avoid it unless you've got, you know, oodles of cash and you're not concerned. Um, and, you know, if you haven't had gigs canceled or whatever, uh, tell us about in the group. Like, tell us where, where are you gigging that they that you're not, you know, concerned about, you know, the, the bar not being open or that kind of stuff. Because I know um, I know Illinois was what the, a lot of people are saying is kind of unprecedented for Illinois to do what it did. But I know that other communities are going to follow suit. It's it's only a matter of time. Um and I and I could see us all being affected by that. But there are many things to do right now. I mean, if you want, I can I can post about it in the Facebook group every couple of days and just kind of like give people ideas. Um, don't go stir crazy. If you're stuck at home, I mean, I feel you because I'm gonna be stuck at home. Um, but there's no reason to like let this be one of those big right. downers where you don't want to play music or whatever because you're just not you don't have new gear to inspire you. You don't need new gear. Like that's a that's a myth. So he posted a um a meme in the group this week, and uh, I thought it was kind of funny, but it was the um the flowchart meme where it's like uh every question leads to like play guitar, or, like practice <laughs> guitar, yeah. Right and they were kind of complaining, and they were saying like 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 I don't really feel inspired to practice or whatever. And I I said I basically said like you should want to practice like all the time, and if you don't want to practice. You're not doing it right. Like there's something missing. Yeah. Um, and I, <laughs> to be honest with you, I was so stressed out Friday night after work. Cause I'd been at a conference all day. Um, I spent six hours listening to, um, members of my organization, uh, have a meeting. And, uh, there was really no reason for me to be there in my, in my estimation. Yeah. Um, but, but it's something that we all have to do. You know, it's like one of those things at work where they want everybody to be there. Um, and we were there for, like I said, I sat in one chair for six hours, a bad chair. Mm -hmm. And then I went home and I was feeling sick. I felt like, uh, I had like a stomach thing going on and I was kind of concerned my gallbladder was acting up. Cause I'm like, well, if, if I have to have that taken out during, Oof. you know, COVID-19, like yeah. could you imagine no. going to the hospital and like laying in a freaking bed, like waiting for surgery yeah. for during, during this shenanigans. Um, and I'm sure there's folks out there doing it right now. My hat's off to you because that's that's like too much stress for me. I'd probably I would probably just you know have an aneurysm or something. Yeah. Um. But I I came home 
And I literally, I sent a message to my mother of all people. And I was like, yep. Yeah. I'm like, uh, how, how, what's your anxiety level like right now? And uh, we had a conversation about it and she's like, well, she's just, just play guitar. And I'm like, I don't even feel like I can play guitar right now. Like I was just so stressed out about it. And then the next morning, the first thing I did, and I was still feeling sick in the morning, play some guitar, I picked up a guitar and I played some guitar and I forced myself to, and you know what? I felt physically better afterwards. Yeah. Um, and so it's an anxiety management tool for dealing with all this stuff, like find your happy space and hopefully it is practicing. But, um, even if it's just like playing on Facebook, like live stream, yeah. um, show people what you're doing. The other, uh, I was, I was sitting there and I was thinking about the, the, uh, pain I had in my stomach and like, I realized what it was the next day, which is I had had salmon at that thing. And if you guys remember when I was in Texas last year, we did an episode uh, the podcast I'd eaten salmon the night before there oh, yeah, and yeah. I got deathly ill. Um, yeah. and I was like that kind of ill the other night and I realized, Oh, I had salmon at the work function today. <laughs> and I'm like, I probably got food poisoning from salmon again. Oh um, crap. Yep. So, so, um, I'm still, I'm still dealing with it by the way. I'm not feeling exactly the best right here, but yeah, um, I'm feeling good enough. Jim, we got, you know, if, if you get, um, if you get out of uh, like, like sent home from work or whatever, from guitar center, they cut back because there's fewer people in the store or whatnot. Um, yeah. you know, we can do, uh, I'd be one of the first we people. Do two episodes, we could do two episodes a week to make people happy until we're done with this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that would, that, that would be fun. Um, I know people, I know people are like, I remember when, when, uh, the practical guitarist podcast did two episodes a week. Remember the old days when we did two episodes a week? Oh my God. We were out of our minds. My God. It was insane. Out of our minds. Guys, you have no idea what we would actually do most of the time would we, we would record them back to back. Yeah, we would do it right. And so if you remember, they were only like an hour, 15 or an hour and a half long. So they were, they were basically the same length as what we're doing now. Yeah. We were pretty um, much did the same thing because we did it back to back. We would just record longer, yep. and then we would edit. I mean, it's yeah. I, actually, Jim, I have an offer from uh, one of our podcast listeners to start editing the show for us. Really, that would be um, cool. That's something yeah. that we may take up in interest of time because I think that would allow us to have a little bit more time to oh do some gosh, other things yes. that we need to do to get the show. I would love to have somebody I could send files and go, "Okay, here's the audio, here's the video." Could you please put these together or can you well, edit this? Your, out? If we can get your acoustic situation straightened out over there, yeah. Um, which looks like I'm not coming out there to help you with that. Yeah, so I'm gonna do this um, myself. I think yeah, I, think well, I'll I can walk you through how to do it though. Yeah. I mean, it's not hard. Um, I would I would say like if we can get that done, I think it's gonna be a lot more easy to use a third party to do the editing for the show. I gotta take um so I gotta take those uh those things called the, the bass traps and put them in the corners they just in the corner yeah you don't even have to so i just actually messaged really the guy and asked for more pin. you don't even have to use t-pins if you could i mean just any way to get them affix them up there even if it's like double-sided tape um but i don't know how that double-sided tape is going to work yeah i think that i think it would be better if i just get t-pins i i can order them i'll order them online today yeah, like Staples or something like, like that probably has 200 of them or something like that. I don't know how many. Yeah, you get like a little box and it's more than you'll ever yeah, need. Eight I mean, million. I'm, I'm, I'm dreading. I have, I'm looking at fact, like 200 teeth in the wall behind me right now. While I'm talking to you, 
All right. You're going to order them. I'm gonna... So there's like 200 T-pins in this panel that's right behind my monitors here, mm-hmm. which is why my sound is, I would say, noticeably like dead. Um, these T-pins that are sitting here, like I know I'm going to have to paint this wall very soon, and I'm not looking forward to taking down all this foam and pulling the T-pins out. Oh, two inch cheese! It's gonna look like a cheese. It's gonna look like a cheese grater behind. Oh yeah, you. am I supposed to get two inch? Uh, yeah, two inches probably fine. I uh, is that they're two inches long, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. actual. Yep. Okay, yeah, that's fine. Two inch and how uh, many hundred? Don't want tiny. Yeah, that's fine. I would get. I don't know how much you're hanging up. I mean, I would. Yeah, I think a hundred would probably work. No, probably I was thinking like, two hundred, three hundred. I don't know. There's a, uh, I would say 100 or 200. There's a set of 300 for 849. Did you get the set of 300? Yeah. So if you if you bend them while you're putting them in or whatever, you just throw them away. Exactly. Because I have. I put them in with I put them in with a hammer. Really? So I know people are like, yeah, you can put them with your fingers. That's really hard. Just put them in with a hammer. I put just use a, a light hammer and just tap it. Have these push pins. That's what's holding that doom poster up. There's an Iron Maiden counter and stuff. I use push pins and I'm able to push them right into my. I must have really soft. Uh, oh no, it's not that. It's the T pin is long and they're usually cheap and thin, and they don't really have a good handle for oh, you your fingers yeah. on. So they're harder to I push. It. That's why I said that's why it hurt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll see. You'll see. Uh, especially if you're putting in a large quantity at once. So, okay. um, if you guys are not familiar with what Jim and I are actually talking about, he's using these acoustic foam panels. You can get them on Amazon. You can get them a lot of places. Uh, a lot of people say the cheap ones suck, but I've had good luck with them. Um, and you basically you can just hang them up on the wall. A lot of people use 3M spray adhesive. I would not recommend you spray adhesive on your wall. That's crazy. Yeah, no. um, use key pins. That's you can get them from an office supply store. It's nothing lo- more than like a a sharp pin with a with a T on the end of it, and you push it in with your thumb, yep. or you uh, tap it with a hammer, and then you just tap it flush, and you try to get the uh, the foam is flush to the walls. You can, it's not even critical that it's actually touching the wall or anything. Cause it, all it's doing is, is, um, absorbing the, the frequencies in the air. Actually it's absorbing air, right. which carries the frequency. Um, and then your base traps, you can get base traps on, online now from like Amazon. They're super cheap. And I know people are like, Oh, they're not any good. Listen, most people, if you buy them, they're going to be fine for what you're doing. You're not trying to create, you know, a, a platinum studio. Um, you want to get base traps and just hang them up in the corner. I can, you don't have to do anything crazy with them. Just hang them right. up. I can tell you this. It, um, Spectre Sound had a, a thing. He was talking about that. He said his first base trap was uh, shirts in a closet. And yep. He just hung shirts in a closet. He was the base of the shirts in the closet. It worked just fine. So, and that guy is yeah. picky. You know him. He's like live music. Yeah. Well, he's picky, but then I've also heard some things that he's done lately that somebody sent me the other day and I was like, really, dude? Well, uh, yeah. that, I think that's lately. So, all right. Can we talk about Glenn? Yeah, can we talk sure, about Glenn for a minute? I, I like Glenn. Yeah, right? we both like, do. He's got a good personality. He's got a good personality. I do watch his channel. My, my wife hates him. Um, <laughs> She just, I don't know, it's just because he's, you know, just his personality or whatever. But anyway, um, she also doesn't like Josh Scott because she thinks he's creepy looking like a vampire or something. <laughs> uh, and actually I heard her squealing from the, yeah, she went, Ew. <laughs> um, it, Josh Scott has got to be incredibly tall. Have you seen him? He, he did oh, a thing yeah, with, he's, he's, with 
Yeah, he's Paul taller Gilbert. than uh, and Paul he Gilbert. Made Paul yeah. Gilbert look relatively short, and I was like, Jim, you forget I you forget I met him in person. Yeah, no, he's he's uh, hopelessly yeah. tall. That's <laughs> what I would describe it. Um, Jack and Jack and the you know the the beanstalk like he's the giant yeah. like that's that's what it is. Um, so <laughs> Glenn Glenn has been doing these things on his show for a long time, but but lately he's been talking about using like a Behringer mixer. Like oh, a cheapo yeah. Behringer mixer from like the nineties or, or like yep. early two thousands and talking about how good the preamps are. Those preamps are noisy as hell. I don't know what he's talking about or what kind of drugs he's smoking, but I would not use those for any sort of recording. They are crisp, I guess for, for metal maybe, but like I wouldn't, I wouldn't be advising people to go out and buy that. Um, that's kind of crazy. Although I will say this, if you're looking for something, anything to record with, just use anything like any mixer can get you started. You, it's, it's about knowing your gear probably more than right. um, knowing than than like, you know what it sounds like. Cause if you, you can get a good sound out of anything, if you know what, it, if you know what it's capable of doing and how to use right. it. Um, so I, I guess I give him that point, but I just, I kind of laugh because then there are other times where he like, he just, he'll rip something to shreds and it's like, well, but you, you know, you're okay with somebody using like El Cheapo Behringer mixer from late '90s that's based on a, that's like a, a, a noisy knockoff of a of a Mackie. Yet you're gonna be like insane about this other thing. I don't know. When they used the, started using the Midas pre's, they started to sound better. They're still noisy, the Behringer stuff. Um, but I would. I honestly thought about getting a Behringer uh, live mixer to use for recording, um, which sounds crazy, but there are good reasons for that, like the iPad control and that kind yeah. of thing. And again, if you know your gear, you can get good sounds out of it. Um, so I guess to each your own, but I just, I saw that that was brought up to me by a show listener. And I was like, really? Like uh, a Behringer mixer. I mean, I, I get it. Uh, I think Yamaha mixers also sound good for certain things, Yeah, but I'm not going to tell people that the D-Pre, the Yamaha D-Pre is like the best preamp in the world. Right. Um, and I don't think he gave that impression in the video he did, but it was like, yeah, these are, these are passable. No, I, I don't think so. Not, no, not, I mean, you don't, you, you don't want noisy stuff in the studio. Like um, I have actually, while we're talking about the D-Pre, I have that Steinberg UR22 interface, mm -hmm. the one that I used to use for the show, and the Dpres on it sound great. Right. Um, I have they're really fat sounding. They don't they don't have a lot of like sparkle and stuff to them, like a Neve kind of preamp feel, but right. they um they definitely work great for doing like digital uh for like, you know, just running into plugins and that kind of thing, and using plugins mm -hmm. to sweeten it. Um here I am talking about like pro audio stuff, like I know what what the hell I'm talking about too. It's really funny. Um, but yeah, I, I'm actually going to be getting, uh, I've been looking at, at, uh, direct boxes. Right, right. So, cause as you know, I've been using my pedal board to do some of these open mic <laughs> things and uh, I picked out my direct box. So like you can get the radial stuff, which is really nice. And it's, it's the industry standard right now. I'm probably going to get the new Neve direct box just because, um, it's only like 50 bucks more and, uh, it has Rupert Neve's name on it. And I want to see what the hype is all about, but I've also heard that that direct box is great for instruments. Mm -hmm. So I want to use it for my pedal board. I don't think it will be mountable on my pedal board. It's huge. Right. 
it looks like a tube preamp or something. It's gigantic. Oh, yeah. uh, but uh, it'll be cool to have. I don't need it everywhere I go, but there are certain places where I do need a preamp mm-hmm. or not preamp. Um, what do they call it? Um, a dirt right. box. So when I, when, when I get to those places, it'll have it. kind of a good decision. You know, the one thing I haven't bought is direct box and it's something I actually need for the, pl- for the um, guitar. Because where I go to open mic, the guy has you plug directly into the PA from your guitar. Oh, uh, unless it has an instrument impedance thing. Well, he has it. Okay. He has um, a QSC uh, thing and he has sit instrument selected, but I don't think that's really. It's not ideal, but if it has an instrument like button on it, yeah. that's what it's doing is adjusting the impedance. Um, and usually, I don't know how they accomplish that in mixers. I was under the impression that when they do that in the mixer, yeah, that's what my thought it was. or whatever. But but uh, it's 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 not though. Um, they are doing imp- impedance adjustment usually. Um, now whether it's good or yeah, not, it remains to be seen because I've seen some bad every, designs where things every acoustic like guitar output is going to be a little bit different. Like if you take a Fishman versus a, it it doesn't matter. It's it's about a range. And if you're using an acoustic guitar, that's different right. because you're probably using right. a line out, that's what I mean. a line level out. So you don't need the instrument level on that uh, on that particular mixer. Exactly. That's why I said I don't know as what he's doing setting it up for instrument is the right thing to do. I don't know. I don't I don't know. That's a good question. I would have to cuz I don't play a lot of acoustic electric guitar. Yeah. I I honestly don't have the answer to that. I would suspect yeah. you would want a passive DI, which is probably doable at the board. I mean, I most of the most of the acoustic guitar players I see around here, even the really pro guys are just running direct into the board. They don't use a direct box. Some of them do use like a radial passive direct box. Um, it's probably good practice to do it anyway, just because you can control the now, sound better. Um, you know what? Correct to me if I'm wrong. Box, but okay, but I I had somebody um, get a Jam Man Solo XT, which is a guitar pedal, right? Yes, it does both. Yeah, and it does both. Line in, uh, but does it do? Uh, does it do and vocal microphone? For what, no, it does not have an XLR. If someone was to buy an XLR to core inch, would it work? Sure, but you wouldn't want to exactly. do that. What you would want to use, I tried to explain that. That I tried to explain go backwards, because so. Even though you can take a, a quarter inch XLR adapter, it's not going to adjust the, um, it's not going to adjust the uh, right. volume and the impedance to do it right. So you can do it that way. I mean, I know guys do it all the time. I don't think that one has provision for no. like a switch or anything on it. But I know um, that's why. I think loopers are like uh, a market unto themselves. Yep. They're like kind of separate from guitar pedals. Usually they are guitar pedals, but I uh, I think we need to um, start exploring like more guitar loopers, uh, instrument loopers with XLR jacks on them. 
Why would you want to loop? Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I loops the vocals. Unless you're trying to harmonize with yourself or something, but then right. you just by harmonizing, like suggested. I really wasn't sure what he was doing. I mean, you're not you're not doing profit songs. I, mean, I get, I get that nobody yeah. wants to listen. I to get that, that um, he was probably doing beat, most skip beat song box. ever. Does that sound right? Beatbox things. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I roll my eyes. <laughs> I get it. I mean, it's not my thing, but I definitely get it. Um, but there's so many right. options out there that would allow you to do that. Use your iPad. Make your beats before yeah. you go. How about that? That's what I told him. I mean, I said buy the slightly like more expensive it. one, put them on the card, and then you can do that. Yeah, so, they'll so, sound better wow. too. So I did my last uh, open jam open mic last week yeah. because obviously coronavirus now, right? Um, and it was an interesting experience. I, I felt kind of bad. So I went and, uh, I watched who performers first guy performed was an acoustic singer, singer. Um, he was good. Second guy who played, I don't know what he was doing. Uh, he was talking about, he was friends with somebody who's playing some big music festival mm-hmm. or headlining some big music festival, which that's probably yeah. happening now. Um, and he was he was all excited about it and like he's like yeah he's like I'm here to perform some of their music tonight which is really strange to me and then he played um oh, like gravity cool. or something at the end and uh I mean he had the John Mayer thing down but like the rest of it I was like this is not I just didn't I didn't get anything out of it uh, he wasn't bad or anything um and then I got up and I wait did I play next. Somebody play. I think somebody else played, and then I played, and then of course I play and I do my thing. And um, I did. I think it was a mediocre night. It wasn't great, but it wasn't terrible. Um, and then I got invited up for the jam, and I said I would stay this week, so I did. Um, and it was really funny because all of the songs that we played that were kind of like random, one-off, like somebody's original or something that they decided they wanted to do. Um, were great and then some of the stuff we jammed out that was like covers and that kind of thing they were not great (laughs) um they were okay uh and it dawned on me it's like it's a lot better when you play somebody else's music and you be completely free with it um and and when you play like a jam tune and like only one dude knows it um i forget we played um oh what was it uh sweet leaf right and i used to know this song and i know the chord progression well enough like i can fake it but I just haven't played it in so long that I didn't know the main riff or anything. So like we played through, I think we played through like, um, like the first verse and chorus yeah. before I figured out the main riff and then like everything sort of fell into place, but I was just like, wow, this is abysmal. Um, they wanted to play all along the watchtower. Can, can I, can I, all right. So I know all along the watchtower was written by Bob Dylan yeah. and the Bob Dylan version is an A minor. But my God, I cannot tell you how many times I've been asked know, to play right? the song in A minor. You used to play it at B, right? I don't want to play the song in A minor. Yeah, I play yeah. it in the normal in like key, the Hendrix key, which I think is B. It's B. Well, they wanted to play it in A, and I'm like, oh. So I start playing it, and then the bass player turns around, or not the bass player, the other guitar player looks at me and goes, what key are you playing it in? And I'm like, you told me to play it in A. 
So I'm playing it in A. They apparently didn't want me to play it in A. Now what key did he want? I don't know. I I don't know. We didn't switch. So I was just like, you're stuck now. The singers had already started. I was like, let's go. Um but it was but it was fun because a guy came up out of the audience uh, after my set and he and he hands me a ten dollar bill at an open mic, right? And I'm like, don't don't show people that. I'm like, put it in my bag or something. Don't tell nobody. And he's like, oh no, he's like, I want you to play a song. He's like, I want you to play um the Star Spangled Banner for you know the Jimi Hendrix version. And I'm like, I actually don't know it, but I can do you one better. So I turn over to my looper and I start clicking through the songs mm-hmm. and I pulled up uh, Purple Haze. And then I jammed that yeah. out. And that was the first time they'd heard me sing there. And nice. that place went freaking nuts. Nice. They were like, oh, my God. And I and I just started, you know, ripping that song apart because I don't play it every I don't play it all the time. Yeah, like I keep yeah, that in course. my back pocket if, you know, things are not going right and I can start playing some Hendrix tunes or whatever. Um, and uh, it went really well. People were really excited. And I was like, yeah, yeah. you know, this is this is what I like. But the uh, the jam was cool, though, because we had. We had two guitar players, a bass player, a drummer, pianist, mm-hmm. and then two vocalists. And the one vocalist, I don't know. I see. I don't know all these yeah. people yet because they're like regulars there. But she was freaking yeah. great. I'm like, man, I want to recruit yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like you can come work for me. <laughs> like, uh, trust me, I'll put you to work. <laughs> you know, like we're we're gonna go do some gigs. <laughs> you, you do some Robert well, Plant yeah. stuff for me, and we'll be we'll be all good. Um, um, I'll I'll book every gig that I can get my hands on. But anyway. It was uh, it's a good night. I I really like the club. It's called Even Flow. They're out in Geneva. If you're in the Chicagoland area, um, and they do an open jam like when they're you know when the bar is open. I don't know how that's all going to fare. They might even be closed after all this is over. Yeah, uh, you know they have to pay their rent. I don't think anybody's nope. going to be giving them rent abatement. Um, hopefully their insurance covers you know this kind of crap. I I think a yeah. lot of people are going to consider this act of God. Um. Dude, that's like a whole other level of economic fallout from yeah. this thing. Is like, what's going to happen long term? Because everybody's uh, going to be not everybody, behind but in their yeah, house. a lot of people will be. Everyone. Well, I'm just saying, like yeah. in terms of the way the economy is going to look, you got to wonder if they're going to do. Did they do a thing of stand of emergency type thing for the uh, taxes and push taxes back? One year. I don't know if they've delayed the taxes, like filing, but they. Um, they're wanting to, uh, do, I, I have to look at it. I don't know. I don't know what they've done because I wouldn't be surprised if they haven't already. Like I, I am intentionally not burying myself in this right now because I know if I do that, I'm just going to sit here and have anxiety and panic attacks for like the next two weeks. And I don't want to do that. I want to, I want to be healthy and, you know, able to defend myself if somebody tries yeah. to come and steal my toilet paper. <laughs> that sounds absolutely nuts, right? I have my my uh, my Amazon uh, speaker system has red alert. So if I say red alert, then all the lights turn red and they start flashing on and off and uh, it starts playing an alarm sound. And I have instructed my wife and my child, if something happens, to use that so that then I know what to do, <laughs> which yep. is, you know, to defend my house from looters. Uh, <laughs> after my toilet paper, I asked about taxes delayed <laughs> and all they were worried about is tax refund. Oh, was that with tax filing? Yeah, I yeah, I mean, I really don't know if that's going to be a going to be a real problem. So, and in the in the musical instrument industry, if you didn't know this, so like right after 
right after Christmas, there's a dead zone until like March or April. And then there, and then everybody starts buying again. And it's because they get their tax filings and they start buying with their tax payments. And then between, you know, March, April, all the way through the holidays, the next season, it's usually a pretty good, pretty good buy-in because, uh, you know, people are gigging and stuff. The, the Trump administration plans yeah, to delay the April 15th tax deadline for most ta um, taxpayers. Good, because I don't plan on doing my tax. I'm not in any hurry to do my taxes. It's not that I have any reason to or not. But of course, the Wall Street Journal. I'm lazy. Um, yeah. um. No, he has no, to get approval from Congress for that. I don't think he could just do that. So that's a, that's a long-term goal of his, I guess. Um, well, this is from the law lawmakers. Are uh, lawmakers um, call on IRS to push back tax file deadline? Um, the Democrats and the Republicans are calling I mean, on the IRS to push back I could, that on the tax deadline to June fifteenth. Uh, unfortunately, we're yeah, we're we're like I'm sitting here right now, um, and I'm kind of like I'm I'm scrolling through my Facebook as I as I we're on the show, and not just so I can ignore Jim. I, mean, I ignore Jim regularly <laughs> anyway, even when I'm looking at him. Um, and uh, as I'm scrolling down, I'm seeing a lot of musicians I know, especially local musicians, are talking about losing money, concerts being canceled. Um, yeah, this, this is just going to be an ugly, an ugly thing. Uh, I would encourage people like I did last week. Don't sell your gear right now. Hang on to it. If you can, if you can hawk something else that people oh, are interested in, do that because there's going to be sharks yep. looking for buying cheap gear right now. Um, and the other component of that is you're going to get more for your gear if you can wait until the economy's back to like being functional. Just because like you have to pay your bills or whatever is not really the best reason to dump everything. If you could dump other things first, yep. you probably would want to do that first. Um, so just, you know, not suggesting that you should dump anything. You should try to, you know, you should try right. to survive. Like, do what you got to do, you know. Um, but if you got a choice, like, consider that, you know, you'll make more money on your gear if you have to sell it after, um, you know, gigs and stuff. Um, yeah, to. there's a lot of places that are telling bars to close. New York is doing the same. I haven't heard it in Virginia yet, but then again, I don't listen to local news. So again, I, it might be that it's coming. I don't go to bars. You'll know when you go I'm to the bar. And, and I do know this. Um, I've been told by, uh, I, I was sent a message by the guy that does the open mic on Mondays. They are not doing it. So we'll see. And it, whether it's yeah. because of this or if it's because yeah. of something else, That's I don't know. Surprise. Well, hopefully, hopefully, because people are being real aggressive about it now. It took a couple people a couple of days to settle into this idea that we're just going to have to do this. Um, and now that people are getting more aggressive about it, both government and people, I have a feeling that we're going to be seeing a major impact of this very quickly, yeah. and then things will open up again. And so maybe exactly. in a month we'll be back to normal. So, um, I just don't know. <laughs> That's so funny. There's something talking about how Mexico wants to close its borders to stop the spread of coronavirus. And I'm and I'm kind of laughing because Mexico only has like 20-something cases. It's like su super low number, and it's because they're close to the equator, and, you know, the sun is uh, nature's uh, UV. is UV is nature's uh, natural distance. Well, there's – um, uh, 
I heard this as a rumor and is in no way can I confirm nor deny this one. But I heard that North Korea, they got their first um, case. Yes, no, that's not oh, a shot rumor. Him. That's like okay. pretty much so a thing at this point. Yeah. One yeah, way to do they it. killed their first case. And they're not... Uh, I would not be surprised to find out they've killed other they kill people, people for less virus in their country. Um, yeah, well, they're saying that they haven't reported any other cases of coronavirus, yeah. which means they're just not reporting them. They've probably been executed. It wouldn't shock me at all. That that country is like Kim Jong Un, being who he is. I could see him yeah. being like, "No, I'm not getting this executed." Did you see the Did you see the post I put um, up? Um, so there's a woman, she's a, yeah. she's a, um, a, a, you know, public service person, you know, one of their elected officials in some city and she's reading, you know, don't touch your yeah. face. This includes your eyes, your nose, like, like you're in kindergarten, you know, your eyes, your nose, your mouth. And then she licks your finger and turns the page. That's a pretty famous one. And then there's another one with uh, Alexandria something Cortez AOC. Yeah. And she's talking about it and the whole time wiping her hair out of her face, the whole time touching her face. <laughs> I just yeah, wanted- yeah. Well so I guess you're right on the on the North Korea, the execution thing. They they okay, they're now yeah. saying that that's nobody knows whether that actually happened or not, but North North Korea. Right. So the Pentagon is saying North Korea has cases of coronavirus. They may not be reporting it to their people, but they have cases. Um, and South Korea is the one that's interesting to look at, though. So South Korea, they had SARS really bad um, when SARS was a thing, and so they fortified their their healthcare system to be able to deal with uh, pandemics, which is something I think we will probably be doing. Um, but they put like in public spaces, they put heat cameras, they put, uh, so they can, so they can identify people who have fevers before they can identify themselves. They put, um, uh, lots of businesses using the infrared, infrared, uh, gun, the thermometer guns. Um, and there's like um, an amazing amount of testing going on there. Uh, I know like last week they had 150,000 tests done when we'd only done 1500 which is pretty crazy, but their statistics, their, their mortality rate is like 0.3% or something or 0.2%. It's, it's down there with flu because they are catching people so early and making sure people are sequestered and making sure people have the right treatment that they have managed to keep like the infection level, like super low. Um, and this is something that everyone will be taking note of, um, coming out of this when they look at South Korea as being like the model for how you do this. Um, and, and actually another, another cool component of this, uh, you know, people are always concerned about flu during yep. flu season. Flu kills a lot of elderly people every year. People with underlying health problems. Flu is going to be really interesting uh, coming out of this because I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see a significant drop in the amount of flu cases based on the fact that we're all isolating ourselves. Um, so I don't know. I I hate the fact that this is dominating everything right now. I feel like we're probably next week will probably be more of a guitar-related podcast again because I think people will be backing away from coronavirus, coronavirus, coronavirus because it'll be the new norm. 
like once we go through a week or two of this, I think things will settle in. Hopefully some gear news will start actually showing up. Maybe some new products will get announced, things like that. Um, but right now there's really nothing to talk about. You can't find any, yeah, any yeah. guitar coverage. I mean, like even the guitar sites are kind of dead right now. Their people are all working from home and everything. I mean, it's, um, it's not really a whole lot to discuss. We did talk about, I think on the last episode, we talked about the Gibson issue. Robert Jackson's got a good, uh, good video out talking about the Gibson lawsuit, um, between them and Kiesel. And then Heritage um, sued Gibson. I don't know that he addressed Kiesel talking about suing Harley Benton, but, uh, Heritage is suing Gibson. I don't know what over, but apparently they have some sort of contract dispute or something with Gibson. I, I want to look into that. That was something I was on my to-do list today. I just didn't get around to it um, because I think that's a probably a really interesting discussion. You have a company that's based on old designs from the the other company that's suing them for some sort of infringement, patent infringement, uh, which I have no idea what – or copyright infringement. I have no idea what this – maybe they – I don't know, man. Like, I can't even imagine. They do Gibson Heritage knockoffs doesn't really for the do most original part. stuff. It does sort of like yeah. takes on takes on Gibson, but they're it, I don't think they're even, necessarily straight. They knock bought the Gibson. Them, their approach uh, to it's a little bit different. That's how they got their but start. They, well, they didn't buy the Gibson factory. They, they were the employees that worked in the Gibson factory when they shut it right, down. Exactly the same people bought it it's gibson but not gibson you know yeah. what i mean like now it's not because they are obviously they've been purchased uh, by another brand and then they were coming in and starting to modernize it um i'm really looking forward i want to play some of the new heritage stuff i just haven't got a, gotten a chance to yet um but honestly like i think heritage was a cool brand before i don't know what justification exactly. they have for a lawsuit suing a company where they basically stole all their designs from um, and I don't, I don't really see them so much as being like complete thievery because it was originally the same guys doing it. But now that it's, you know, like obviously many of those guys have either retired or, um, have quit or been fired. Um, it now looks like, you know, kind of like a, Hey, we're suing you because we own the intellectual property kind of thing, or because there's some sort of dispute. I'm sure Gibson sent them a few cease and desists over the year, over the years. Um, but you know, part of that is because if you've ever played one of the um, one of the uh, Heritage 335s, yeah, I know people don't like the headstock, but they play better than the real ones, than the Gibson 335s that are coming out now. And and I've said I could say that about a lot of their semi hollow guitars, um, that they. They're better than their Gibson equivalents. I don't know if I'd go that far with the Les Pauls they put out and mm -hmm. stuff, but they're but at least the like the three thirty five and the hollow body stuff was semi hollow and hollow body stuff was always really good compared to the Gibson stuff. Um, and it's just because those guys that's what they that factory yeah. did. Like that's what those guys did. They 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 make guitars basically the same way Gibson used to. Um, now I I know for a fact like you can get some old Gibson like. Junior, uh, who's um, Nick Bongers has that. What has he got? Uh, the, what's the name of oh, the Trey Lopez. He's got the, uh, uh, he's got the one David Girl likes. The uh, I forget what the name of. Okay, yeah, anyway. he's got a Trey Lopez. He's been playing in the group. It's a freaking great guitar. Um, and the Trey Lopez is like one of the unsung Gibson heroes that a lot of people really like, but don't want to talk about it because they don't want people to run out and buy them all. Um, 
Trini Lopez prices are slowly going up. Um, What I was trying to say was like, they have made some guitars like the Trini Lopez and the old 335s and stuff that would just trounce all over modern heritage, but they're 50 years old. I mean, at that point, you're talking about keeping a guitar running, (laughs) you know, like... And and you could you could put some serious. You know, there's a, there's an interesting speaking of Gibson guitar that has uh, hide glue and weird stuff in ones it. that uh, that only a few people know about and and have owned. Yeah, there was a there was one like the Marauder only that was a a <laughs> signature guitar for a a one hit wonder. Aldo Nova got a signature guitar. And his signature guitar, there's only a couple people that have it. And if you look at it, yeah. it's kind of a Les Paul meets a Trini Lopez. Um, yeah. How about the, how about the Sonics? Yep. That was a weird guitar, like a bolt-on Les Paul. Uh, there's the modern, of course, the the, the ES three five seven. Mm-hmm. It's a three thirty five with no with no f holes and three yeah, so nineties. Um, <laughs> um, I wonder if it could even find the Challenger three for sale. Oh, we. I'm talking Jam, about the the Aldo Jam, Nova, not the, This is it right, <laughs> right here. Right this now. is the one. We need. I'm 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 sending you I'm sending you, I'm Facebooking you this so you can talk we can talk about this on the show. This made Uh-oh. my day. Hold right on, here. I gotta get to I gotta get on Facebook. You're seeing this right now. What does that remind you of? It has the ugliest headstock ah, on earth. If it had a, a friend of mine just put up, I don't think we would be talking tip. about another guitar. Take your take your date to Starbucks if you can't remember their name. All right, let's see. <laughs> That's a good one. All right, let's see. Oh my gosh! Well, that's obviously that's the joke. If you can't remember their name, you probably. Oh yeah, this them. one. Yeah, this one came out. Here, it was let like, me swap. Okay, Gibson, you. come on. Yeah. That's a Gibson MV2 1981. Is, is it, red. The one I'm looking at here. It is a PRS knockoff, like tied in the wall, obvious PRS uh, knockoff. But what year is it? Oh, I think eighty one. No, that, they weren't. The they weren't ripping off PRS in eighty one. They didn't PRS. care about P- this is PRS. Like was not an entity. So it wasn't even Paul Reed Smith yet in nineteen eighty one. It there were some. There were some of them out there, but it wasn't a company yet. Right. Right, but I yeah, almost definitely wonder if Paul that's Reed a mirror. Smith took some design notes from this because if you look at the pick guard, like it very much. Looked uh, and if you look at the the headstock is obviously oh yeah if like they'd have, I think that they were doing the okay our headstock is different from a strat even though from from most angles yeah no yeah from most angles the whole thing is just stupid from straight on yes oh good lord do you remember the firebrand three thirty five dash s yes those are ugly. Uh, how about the oh, oh God, yes. Yeah, the it's got about two thousand oh dollars for this thing. Good lord, it's almost worse. Now, than what a, year is that? That's eighty-one. Again, you can't you can't say that that PRS was a was a um, 
an, even an entity to them. But look at that headstock. That's kind of PRS-ish. Oh, this it's is more- what, Yeah. It's very PRS-ish. Yeah. It, it's almost like he was paying attention to what was going on. And I'm wondering if that's right a now. hammer thing. It was like, like he was all right, let's do what adjustments to what he was already doing. Uh, hammer? Is it hammer? Yeah, that's that's a hey, it's hammer. Because uh, hammer was really, if you look, thing. In, hammer in was the mid like to late seventies into you know the eighties, hammer was really that was that was the the Gibson killer at that time. If you wanted that kind of guitar, yeah. So yes, yeah. But the thing is, hammer was always like double cutaway less Pauls and stuff like that. No, they didn't really do like a real traditional looking Les Paul. They and they, and, and yeah. actually finding a vintage Hamer is pretty hard now because there weren't very many of them made. Um, they were actually made out of a store. I forget the whole deal, but there was a store that was making Hamer, and they were selling them directly to like high end clients. And I'm sure they're still out there, but. You you're not going to find vintage hammers very regularly. Most of what you're going to find is like the the import knockoff thing after they sold them. Yep. So here's a 1980 hammer, and it's a it's a double cutaway. What's his Paul name? He's playing hammers. Uh, uh, and Nielsen. He's playing a lot of Les Pauls, but he was playing a lot of hammers. Yeah, yeah, and that was because he had a whole like buy USA like local made thing going on, and and Hamer was a custom shop that would make you pretty much whatever you wanted. Um, so, and, and actually my, the guy that I liked that really used, that really loved Hamer guitars was, and was using them up until like the two thousands was, um, which yeah, yeah. were being made like long before that was, uh, Vernon Reed. He was a big Hamer guy. He played the chaparral was, was most of his, most of his were like chaparrals and things like that. Well, I think the reason that, that, uh, Rick played a lot of Hamer was Rick was playing Hamer's due to the fact that they were making him a lot of, of guitars. And if I remember correctly, they're the ones that made the five, the five uh, neck yeah. famous five neck right. guitar. So he was getting incredibly custom stuff. Right. I mean, that's which he still has. He has that one. Plus they made one like it, it had his image in it, like in the, in the body it had his head popping out the back end. And then yeah. it was, you know, checkerboard and yeah. I mean, there, there's a market for that for sure. Yeah, I mean, there, even today there people are buying buying incredible, incredible one-off like custom pieces like that from companies like Jackson. When when I was a kid, let me ask you this. So when I was a kid, I was not aware of custom. Um, and I, I think it's probably because there weren't as many of them. But signature guitars I really wasn't yeah, aware. There weren't, there weren't any. That didn't happen. Signature guitars didn't blow up until. And even though. Like the Les Paul is arguably a signature guitar, and there are other guitars that happened in between that and Fender taking over that whole thing. When Fender started putting out things like the Ingve Malmsteen and the Eric Clapton Strat and the SRV Strat, that's when that took off. So, and that was because those players had like very demand that they had very specific tones and they had a very demanding like set of gear that you couldn't get anywhere else. I mean, you didn't have mid boosts on Strats. That was not a thing. You know what I mean? Like that was just not a thing. Uh, and so, or, or, you know, I think Ingve is probably the, the qualifying one here. I mean, not 
very many people had scalloped fretboards. Um, right. And if you and if you wanted a scalloped fretboard to sound like Ingve, like you had to go buy the Ingve Strat. So that made that a very popular choice. Is that a so um, so um now I know everybody has a, a signature guitar, right? I know that Bonnie like, Bonnie Rate had a signature strat. Not until later. Not until later. Okay, so one of the earliest, probably earliest guitars that I knew of that was a signature, believe it or not, with Garth Brooks with Takamini. Um Yeah. But I don't think that so. Even that probably would have been, yeah, no, absolutely would have been post like 1986. Oh yeah, it had to be in the not close to the 90s. It had to be in the in late 80s to early 90s would have been Garth Brooks' um, signature. Uh, let's see, Garth Brooks, uh, Pacamini. Yeah, double um, uh, dreadnought cutaway acoustic electric. Yeah, that was his. What year was that? Um, and this is a what year? used um this would have been in the 90s i think um maybe yeah yeah it had to be the 90s so i mean the the early ones were like les paul obviously chet atkins um which you know that's not a surprise and then barney kessel of k so that's another one uh -huh. that's a name that i would not have expected to see that see? way yeah and then james james burton had a telecaster well they talked to james burton to do a telecaster yeah, but I don't um, think he actually had a signature telecast. No, not until 1990. Yep. He, um, and the, fir the first two that came out were in 88, and that was Eric Clapton and Yngwie. Mm -hmm. And I think the SRV came out in 89. It was 89 or 91. And I know they started talking to him at the same time as Eric Clapton and Yngwie, but because he was on tour and there were other things, of course, he, he passed you know, around that time, like it made it a lot more difficult. In fact, uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan's guitar was actually finalized by his brother um, because right. I he got a couple of them, I think, to take on tour or something, and he was playing one of them. Um, and then, you know, he passed and then it never went anywhere. And I guess the deal was kind of like on the table. And Jimmy Vaughn went back to him and yelled at him and argued with him, and said, this should be a people's guitar. Like everybody should be able to buy this. And that actually ended up becoming his guitar. And then they bought, they sold the SRV Strat for, I think it started retailing for like 1200 or 1300 which was, you know, at that time, at time. Yeah. At that time, it was yeah. expensive. I remember when the SRV Strat hit the market, there was two, there were two la layers. There was the custom shop layer. And there was. Oh, that, did, that, that custom shop layer didn't happen until way later. Yeah. And they had the, uh, um, the other one, which just had Tex-Mex pickups and, yeah, no, that's the that's the production model that they put out in eighty nine. Okay, the, yeah. the custom shop version didn't. So the the first run of it was actually made in the custom shop, which is why you see it listed as custom shop, but it was not a custom shop guitar. It was considered a production guitar. Um, it was just finished in the custom shop, and a lot of guitars are like that. Even the Eric Johnson signatures, the first run of whenever they change it, comes out of the custom shop. So that's why you'll see people like advertise them on Reverb as custom shop SRV Strat. It's not really a custom shop. The only custom shop SRV guitars they did were Lenny and the number one, but those were like done in the like 2000, 2001, 2003 ish. Um, so that was quite a bit later. Um, and that was as a result of a partnership with him and the, or with um, 
Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Vaughn and the uh, Fender uh, family. So Fender, you know, company. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, so no, it's interesting because you're, you're talking about signature guitars and like, that's, that's where that all really started was with, with Fender when they made those lucrative Eric Clapton and Ingve Malmsteen guitars. I have heard, and this is something I think we talked about on the show before, but Ingve Malmsteen guitar, the Stratocaster that they put mm-hmm. out actually sells just as much as the Eric Clapton, probably more now. And it's a really weird thing because I don't see them stick around in stores here for more than 24 hours. So I don't know what the numbers on those guitars are, but I've heard that they sell a lot of those guitars. Wow. Um, That's why it's never been out of production. I mean, you look at a lot of the other artist signatures that have come and gone. um, That guitar is not going anywhere. There are certain, the, the, um, obviously the Steve Vai gem has never gone. Sure. Um, Les Paul, went somewhere for about eight years um nine years yeah and and that was based on his divorce yeah part of it yeah part of it was based on his divorce by the way the guy the garth brooks one was the mid-90s he actually called them and said hey do a, let's do a signature but he was already using right. it by that point he had been using it but steve warner had turned him on to it which makes sense well it definitely i think i think seeing fender be successful with the electric guitar side of it Definitely opened up companies to the idea of like musicians. But that's still, let me tell you something. (laughs) I I am surprised because I knew that the Takamini Garth Brooks existed. It's still in their line. I didn't even know anybody was selling Takaminis anymore. Much less. Yeah, no, Takamini's still out there. It's kind of got a cool cutaway vibe to it. But anyway, the the point is that that, uh, there are. Growing up, I didn't have to worry about, oh, this is that signature guitar. That's so, so and so signature. It just was, oh, guess what? These people play this guitar. So, nine times out of 10, like I, I remember seeing guitars in, in videos and thinking, oh, it's a Les Paul. It wasn't until later I found out, oh, that wasn't a Les Paul. That was a knockoff. Or that wasn't a strat. That was a knockoff. So, they were actually doing. Even back then, some of those guys didn't know really what they were playing. Yeah. And so, a lot of times, um, uh i didn't know so i can imagine most people didn't know so it was easy for somebody like gibson to just go you know what they're kind of doing us favors by getting guitars out there and selling them and it wasn't until uh the ibanez that whole ibanez thing right was i think it was ibanez who did all the the, um the quote-unquote lawsuit guitars of the late 70s early 80s well, Ibanez, Tokai, Tokai, like a bunch yep. of Tokai did, Honer did some. Global. Global. Well, Honer, Honer wasn't Japanese, though, so they're not really one of the lawsuit. Oh, that's true. Honer was uh, European, yeah. right? Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because there were other companies at that time, like Tisco, that oh, yeah. were producing guitars in foreign countries that weren't doing complete knockoffs. I don't think Tisco was considered to be one of the uh, lawsuit companies yeah i wouldn't yeah i had a t-scope univox univox is another lawsuit company um but it's just funny because i think about now um we're you know we talked about this before we're in a new generation of guitars we're in a new way of looking at yeah um i we got a we got a steinberger in the store the other day and uh i was like 
white wine. I, I was like, oh. Which one? It was it at the was it a broomstick? Yeah, five string um, bass. Uh, okay, yeah. bass. And it was an original Steinberger, not like one of the spirits. Yeah, original. Yeah, because if it's a spirit, no, 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 I wouldn't buy it. Um, and we got, we got, we've gotten some really good guitars, you know. Um, and again, these are some of the guitars. I think we've talked about this too. They don't really hold as much value as you'd want them to. Take a, take a Petrucci, which whether we, we as two people like the Petrucci uh, Majesty, whether we like it or not, that's a killer guitar. And yeah, but it's it's priced just incredibly high. Um, and so I, I, you know what, I, I, I actually don't think it's priced that high for what it is. I mean, look at how that guitar is constructed. Like it's not priced high. It's just insane because they, like he wanted this guitar. That's like, they honestly, Ernie Ball should have looked at him and been like, you're out of your mind. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you know, and been like, we can't sell this. Uh, but instead Ernie Ball says, it's got your name on it. We can sell a lot of these. Like they're like, we'll do whatever you want, John. Well, we got guys like uh, uh, Roger or uh, Robert Jackson. Don't worry. <laughs> um, I actually he's got one. So the the Majesty, I like it. Do you know what? You, you, it's not going to be surprised anyone when I tell people why I won't buy one. I I would buy the seven string version of that guitar, like in a hard. Yeah. Uh, but it has that stupid inlay. <laughs> With his initials on it. I don't want to buy a guitar that says that I'm trying to be like you. Period. And see, Do not that's exactly it. what I was getting to. You, when, when I was growing up, if you bought a war, uh, not Warwick, uh, a Warlock or an Eagle or a, you know, other BC Rich, you were getting a true um, – it, it was heavy as – oh, get out. Those things were heavy. But um, – you were getting uh, your guitar. You weren't getting a Johnny Winter guitar. You're getting your guitar. You weren't getting, um, you know, it, it, and I think that's the thing that, that's happened is, you know, I, I'm willing to bet there's a there's a Petrucci model that's not a Petrucci model. You'd be able to get it. At some point, they got to do that. Uh, well, I mean, you could buy the, the JPM now. Well, which is which has less branding yeah. on it. I just don't like the fact that the Majesty, like even the Stealth Black one, has, uh, it has the Dream Theater logo on the first fret, and then it has the stupid shield inlays, and then it has the John Petrucci signature on the headstock. Like, first off, I don't care about the signature so much. It's the stupid inlays. Like, come on, guys, yeah. make one that, for for people like <laughs> me that. Just don't want my guitar to be like super audacious and, and say, Hey, I want to, I want to hang out with John Petrucci in the back of my car, like, and smoke a bunch of weed with him or whatever. I don't know. Does that happen? I don't. Does he do that? I don't know. I honestly don't, I don't smoke weed, so I don't know. Um, I've never done it. I mean, I'm just thinking if like, I wanted to hang out with uh, Willie Nelson, like that would be a thing. He does have a signature guitar. It's a, it's a, a uh, Martin with a hole in it. (laughs) But um, yeah, yeah, that's a, for a tale for another day. But the 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 point is that that um, I like the Petrucci model, but I don't like it three thousand dollars. And uh, I can find a lot, a lot of of music bands I would buy before I bought. But you know, for the most part, except in their bass line, that's all they make. They, 
I mean, I know that's not all they yeah, make, so but it's like, just it. do they make anything else? No, they make. So they make the Cutlass, and then they make the what's the what's the offset version of the Cutlass, the Stingray or whatever, yep. and that's it. Yep. They don't they don't really make any other like guitars. And, and what ticks me off is they're gonna make the Cutlass, which is basically a Strat knockoff, yep. right? Um, and I love them. Like I've played, I I think I've talked about it on the show. I went and played one. Um, I'm probably gonna end up buying one at some point. Uh, but I'm like looking at them, and they're beautiful fretboards, like nice pickups decent hardware i don't like the fact that it's a non-floatable trim but i can live with that but my biggest problem is they don't offer any sort of extended range model and they don't do it in a humbucker humbucker configuration is humbucker sing single or three which is weird um it's insane to me you have to get a signature model so they have the the jason richardson signature cutlass which is a seven string and it's also humbucker humbucker that's and when it comes to bases, I don't think the bongo is in. Is the bongo even in line anymore? Yeah, I believe it is. Um, I mean, that's the other part of things. Is I, I was looking at you know Music Man. Uh, well, I mean, if Music Man was going to operate a custom shop where I could, yeah, they they just still do the bongo, okay. where you could call up and you could get what you want, like that would be another thing. By the way, the bongo is like the ugliest bass on. Earth. I know, right? Um, they really probably should cancel that thing. And it's also uh, I. Here's the here you go. This is where we differ. I love the bongo. I love the look at it, and I wish you can wipe your bongo. I wish I could love playing the bongo. I I didn't know that their bases were this inexpensive though. As I'm looking through here, Stingrays were like twenty three hundred. I thought they were a lot more than that. Pretty. The Stingray is relatively inexpensive. The thing is, okay, you you look at the wall. If you look at the two of them on the wall, you look at a Fender Precision um, uh, Elite. Whatever. Well, actually, I wouldn't look at a precision elite against a uh, a music man. You know what I would look at? GNL. The music man stingray. And you put them up side by side. Um, the stingray has so much more to offer. The bongo has. They're not. Offer. Yeah, they're not even the same thing. Like I, I look at it this way: when Leo Fender designed the uh, stingray, like he fixed all the problems with the traditional base designs that he'd already put out. Definitely. He knew that there were certain things that needed to be adjusted and changed, and that's what he did. And he invented the bass guitar. Like, for anybody who... Um, the electric the of the old Fender, He invented the electric bass. No, he invented the bass guitar, period. There was no electric bass. There was no... Yeah, that's true. Was, bass yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. And it's not a guitar. You're right, you're right. I, I, I take so, that back. Although it was electric... The precision was the first, um, uh, what do they call it when you sell it uh, through a store? The first uh, electric bass guitar. Period. There was nobody else doing it before him. No one. That he came up with the idea of having a low end instrument because uh, stand up bass players were coming to him and screaming, "We need something portable." Your cat. You can look at your it up. cat just left. It it's fine. Your cat yeah. just left static on your microphone. Oh, really? I don't care. Anyway. If that's the worst thing my cat does on this show. Yeah. Um, it was just funny to hear the your voice. <laughs> but, um, yeah, don't get me wrong, though. I, I think the Stingray is the is the ultimate, the penultimate um, guitar as far as that goes. Bass. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually, I know somebody's got a Stingray, and I really love the sound of it, but I, I just... Um, 
I think both the Stingray and the uh, the GNL equivalent, which is uh, an ASAP bait. Uh, it's not ASAP. What is it? It's the. Um, it's going to drive me nuts. I forget what they call them. They make a guitar, a bass guitar that he designed with a humbucking pickup as well, and it sounds really, really good. Um, and that would be what I would probably opt for. Um, L one thousand. That's what it is. The L one thousand is a good, a good version of the Stingray as well. And it's very clear. Like he made the Stingray, and then when he left, uh, he left his deal on the table with Music Man. He went and he made the L one thousand. It's basically the same thing, um, with a little bit uh more you know further design accoutrements that he like added to it but um yeah i mean as far as the signature thing is concerned uh i just don't understand the allure of the signature guitar i would rather see companies do more of a custom shop or like a build your own option than to see signature guitars and i think there's probably more money available in that um but they don't want to do one-offs and that's fine. Like, I get it. Companies don't want to do one-offs. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Fender toyed with that. They had the, they had that, that, uh, mod shop or whatever, yep. which I think, I think is a great, like, it's a step in the right direction. Um, I just, they, 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 the real reason that they want these endorsement deals is because the advertising is what sells the guitar and not the guitar right. itself. Um, which is funny because I played so I played a bunch of signature guitars at one point, and um, the one I liked the most was the artist I hate the most, which was the uh, I liked the Fender uh, um, John Mayer Strat a lot, and I hate the guy. Like that's what's funny about it. It's like I wouldn't buy that because I don't want people thinking I like him. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. No, I mean, I this I'm obviously being facetious and, and being silly for for like show's sake, but it, like it's true when you, you want to identify with who you're buying your buying your signature model of, right? I mean, yeah, you don't want to buy like I don't want to buy the Jim Root uh, Stratocaster and then go play blues with it. That's just not my thing. And, <laughs> and people would have too many questions. Um, I get enough <laughs> questions with my Kiesel, so. Um, John John Five plays his his guitar and he plays country on it. So yeah, well he play he plays that guy's a monster. He can play whatever he wants, he can play whatever everything. guitar he wants. Frankly, quite frankly, everything. Um, anyway, uh, I've been David. I've been Jim. And tonight we've been practical guitars. Yay! Boo.